Welcome back or welcome, welcome. My name is Michelle. I'm Kelly. My name is Kayleen. My name is Jada Wright. This is Annie. I'm Kelsey. And today we're going to step into our power for 40 minutes. Today's class is here for you to learn more about your body and its alignment. And everything's flowing beautifully. Love this. Oh, now it's time for my favorite exercise. We're going to go into mermaid. This workout will have you glistening, sparkling, and sweating. So let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flexia Talks. My name is Kayleen, and I'm the founder and CEO of Flexia. And I'm Kelly. I'm the head of content here at Flexia. And we are diving into all things Pilates culture, like trends, celebrity gossip, movement tips, stories from the studio, and more. Yeah, today's an exciting episode. We're going to be covering the Flexia After Class Report. So excited. Um, We're going to talk all things metrics and the movement quality score. However, before we do that, I have a rant. I have something I need to get off my chest here. I'm here for it. Let's hear it. I was talking to someone last week and we got on the topic of mindful movement. And this happens a lot when I talk with people who are really into their gym workouts, CrossFit or strength training, or they love Peloton, for example. They've got all the uh, all the Peloton you know, pieces of equipment. And uh, they might have really great heart rate performance, but there's still a lot of pain. Um, whether it's like, oh, I cycle every day, but then I go play tennis and my knees hurt, or I don't understand why it hurts for my back to stand at the sink and do dishes when I row three times a week for half an hour. Like I'm moving. I don't understand. Right. I think this is a really hidden truth that just because you cycle or row or run every day doesn't mean that your body is getting the movement it needs. Yeah. And, and that can be hard for some people to think about. It can be hard for some people to accept. Um, I want you to think about movement and fitness like a Venn diagram, right? Two circles that have edges that overlap. And movement can be fitness, And fitness can be movement, but just because you're doing one thing doesn't mean it is automatically the other thing. I wanted to give an example, right? I I think this is, we undervalue the the activities of day-to-day life and what it takes to be able to do them. And this is super common. Like I'm mid-30s, all my friends are mid-30s. And the thing that I hear everybody say is like, oh, getting older sucks. I have all these aches and pains and it's just, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just getting older. And it drives me insane because, you know, we are constantly asking our bodies to do things that we haven't quote unquote trained for. And 30 minutes of a repetitive movement every week isn't enough to keep away that feeling of, oh, I feel my age, right? <laughs> and and I'm not just talking about like people who are running a marathon. 
I mentioned being able to stand at the sink and do dishes without your back hurting, like getting on the floor to play with your kids or your dog, sitting at a desk and typing all day. That's a form of training, right? Whether you want it to be or not, you're training your body to be in that position eight hours a day. Maybe you want to go play pickup basketball on the weekends or dance with friends or sit over the pottery wheel for an afternoon, which is my current favorite, <laughs> you know, thing to do. Um, or my dad wants to go walk the golf cart, golf course for a full round. Like all of those things are only going to be minimally effective by a 30 minute spin class. And here's why when you're in a spin class and you're on the bike, you're, you're training your cardiovascular system. You're trying to get your heart rate up and you're using some big muscles to do that, right? You're pedaling the bike. So there's some very specific leg muscles that are getting work and adapting to be able to being able to pedal. Well, uh, your back is in one position, typically forward flexion, which surprise, surprise, very similar position to sitting at your desk all day. No, thank you. Your head is facing up. So you've got like neck extension, ouch. And you're, you've got weight on your shoulders from, and your wrists from supporting yourself on the handlebars and your body is going to adjust to be able to do that better or with less pain or whatever over time, you're going to get better at that. But what, but what you aren't going to get better in that specific movement is, uh, any lateral or rotational kind of movement. Okay. Sidestepping, any sort of sideways bending, any sort of um, looking over your shoulder. Like let's think about loading the dishwasher. Very, very basic thing. Taking dishes out of the sink, twisting, bending over, putting them down. Like these are the directions that our bodies move throughout the day and spinning will get you better at a small fraction of movement directions. And the reason I love Pilates so much is because a good Pilates session has you moving in all planes of motion and throughout your entire range of motion. So you're re-teaching and reinforcing your body that it should be able to move in all of these directions. Because as soon as we stop using range and capacity of our body, the body adjusts, it adapts, and it shrinks your capacity so that it doesn't have that metabolic weight or um, energetic expense of maintaining that ability because you're not using it, right? It is so, mm -hmm. so amazing at adapting. And so I, I want to be clear, like intentional movement that starts from the core and works all planes of motion and works throughout your entire range of motion is so, so important. And probably in my mind, the biggest contributor to whether you quote unquote, feel your age or you don't. And, and this is, this is probably why there are so many professional athletes who love Pilates because it helps balance out their body. It's not that they need to have full capacity in all places. It's that there's some sort of balance to all of the sport specific training that they do. And I think it's really important that we use the term movement a lot in our 
company, in our community, in our profession as Pilates teachers. And I, and I want listeners to be aware of the difference between fitness and movement. And this is what we're talking about. We're talking about this holistic movement. You'll get some fitness from movement. You'll get stronger for sure. <laughs> You'll sweat a little bit. <laughs> But the purpose of it is so different. And that's that feeds into this whole idea of, well, why don't we use heart rate to measure progress <laughs> in Pilates? Why don't we use weight moved to measure progress in Pilates? Why don't we use total number of repetitions? Because those are not super correlated with movement quality. With movement, they're correlated with fitness. And they are important for a lot of things, but there's this huge gap of activity that as humans we can do and, and we should be able to measure it. And that is a big reason why we created the movement quality score. MQS, baby. That was a great segue. You just plugged it right in there. <laughs> let's let's dive into that MQS because I know listeners have been really excited to hear about how we measure this movement. And we're finally at the episode. This is our last one of the year. Um, and so I love that this is our last episode because I feel like we've been building up to this moment. And so I, I'm excited to talk about the MQS because it's making a difference in the community. People are talking about it. Let's talk about what it is. So let's talk about how we calculate the MQS. So the MQS, which stands for Movement Quality Score, is a compilation of your three main scores that you see during class, control, consistency, and speed. And you get your MQS at the end of class, and it shows you a score which is out of 100. And basically, it says, how well did you do that class? And that can inform what you do next in your practice. And how you use that to inform what you do next, we base on this thing called zone of progress. Kelly? It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> we sometimes call it ZOP. Yes. Uh, the zone of progress. This is some, it's a little bit counterintuitive, but it makes total sense once you hear the explanation. So Kelly, how does it work? What are we aiming for in our MQS? Yeah. So Kayleen mentioned too, it seems counterintuitive the way that we say it's out of 100. So you think, okay, I'm, I've got to get as close to 100 as possible. That tells me I'm doing really well. But that's not actually what we're looking for. The zone of progress is going to be a score that you feel that you are challenged enough and you're also displaying a certain level of mastery of what we've asked you to perform. So that zone of progress actually falls somewhere between a score of 50 to 80. So you want a score that's going to land somewhere in that zone of progress. If you're under score of 50, you know that you need to have a little bit of an easier time or you need to level down, right? If you're scoring above 80, the class is not challenging enough for you and you need to up the difficulty. Yeah. And that, think about this, like I, I want you, if I'm your teacher, I want you to be in a place where you know what the movement is and you can perform it, but I can also still pepper in things that you can make better. Right. Right. 
And that takes a certain level of proficiency. So if you're scoring less than 50, it's going to be really hard to be able to take in feedback that makes your performance better. Um, And so like Kelly said, you might want to make the springs a little easier, check in with your speed and consistency scores, and maybe take the overall class level down a notch and build that competency and the body awareness and the strength to um, then come back to that class you're struggling with and hopefully get into that zone of progress. On the flip side, if you're scoring above 80, like, hey, overachievers, we want to get that 100 <laughs> score, right? I totally resonate. <laughs> yep. But and, and you totally can. If that's what you want to do, totally fine. But just know that a little bit of challenge goes a long way in making you stronger and helping you learn faster. So if you're constantly scoring 100, you might give yourself a gold star, but know that you need some struggle to make improvements. And so we actually want you to find a harder class or harder spring settings faster um, so that your, your MQS drops a little bit, but now you are finding the challenge that is ultimately going to result in growth. Yeah. One of my favorite aspects about this zone of progress is when you're in a studio setting, you don't have something like this to measure and you're not taking the same class again, right? You're not taking it more than once. So it's a lot harder to know how you're progressing through your Pilates practice because you don't have anything to measure it against. Here in the online studio with this zone of progress, you could take a class and score 60 Maybe you take the class two weeks later and now you're at 75. You actually have the means to know that you've improved in your zone of progress and in your ability to perform mastery of that class. It totally changes how you think about a specific set of programming. Like if I didn't have a score, doing the same set of choreography multiple times kind of loses its appeal. Because I'm just relying on how I feel. And 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 it's true. Like a lot of us in Pilates are just used to saying, oh, well, my bridges felt better. Or I was actually able to do the full version instead of, you know, a variation of it. Um, but at the end of the day, like one of my favorite things is in our community, seeing members say um, they took a class And their MQS improved since they previously took the class three weeks ago, right? And then they're able to share the score improvement. And that is something that we've never been able to do in the Pilates world before is to say, hey, let's look at your performance objectively based on these factors and see where you've improved. And I think that just opens up a whole new set of doors when we talk, when we think about what Pilates is to people who love to do it. Yeah. One of the fun ways that this can happen too, it can happen organically. You can choose to take a class over again to improve your MQS score. But one of the things that we do is you have the option to take a new class, but we also create challenges within our community. And so 
those classes get used in those challenges. So maybe unintentionally, you're taking a class you've taken before. And what's really cool is you get to go, oh, I've taken this. And then you do it again. You go, oh, I actually did better this time. And that's what's really fun and exciting to see because people are having this light bulb moment of, oh, I I get it now, which is really, really exciting. Yeah, it is not just for hyper-motivated overachievers who just want to get 100 all the time. Like This is a really nice tool to come back and say, I've been really enjoying myself in classes and I'm really focusing on how I feel or I'm focusing on doing a restorative class twice a week or whatever you're doing. You're going about your pathway. And then you happen to come across the same class and you happen to take it again. It is such a huge motivator to continue on your pathway when you can see that something has improved. Mm-hmm. And that is that is really, really hard for a lot of people to notice in themselves uh, without specific numbers. And it's really hard to self-direct and stay accountable. And I think that puts this kind of scoring puts the power back into your hands, my hands about my body, right? That body autonomy. What do I notice and see in my body and how do I want to react to it? Because in the studio, look, there are a lot of talented teachers and studio environment can be amazing, but it is really hard for a teacher to remember all of their students, to remember what they're doing every week, to know what they did with another instructor, and to come and reflect your progress back to you so specifically. And um, that's not to say, that is not saying anything bad about the studio environment. Like, no, mm-hmm. imagine what this tool could do in partnership with a teacher. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but coming back and saying, hey, I want to know what I did that day. I want to know how well I did it. And I want to see how well I did something last year versus this year. And that is, that's the beauty of technology. And we got to bring technology into Pilates. It's just, it's just begging for it. Oh, it absolutely has a spot and a place for it. What I love in this after-class report too, is you get to see how you scored individually on your control consistency and speed. So if your MQS score improves the next time you take the class, you can actually see okay, did I actually do better with my control? Did I do better with my consistency? Was I more uh, at the tempo that the teacher had asked of me during that class? So I love that we've got it split apart. It's not just like some random number we throw up on the, you know, on the after-class report. You actually get to see the spots in which you can make improvements and the places that you have improved, which is so incredibly powerful. And And it helps you take that into the next class, even if it's not the same class into the next class. You go, oh, I'm really struggling being able to, you know, hold control of my carriage. I really need to be mindful of that the next time I move on my reformer. And that's empowering. Yes, it is pretty amazing. I absolutely love the graph. So you'll get on your after-class report card, you get the MQS on the left, and then you get graph, a a graph on the right. And it is basically one of those three metrics charted over the course of the class. And if you hover your mouse or you tap on a touch screen over that section of the graph, it will show you what exercise you were doing at that time. And so you can see this graph either of control, consistency, or speed, and you hover over it and you're like, 
I got to know what exercise was I doing when my graph really dipped. Right. What was the most challenging? And one of our, one of our members, I, I love this comment. She goes, MQS reflected really well, aside from during the sideline leg series, I probably need to go a tad lighter. Otherwise this class was amazing. And I just think that is so cool to be able to have a record of your performance during class. I don't, if I'm not using the Flexia technology, I don't remember stuff. Think I mean, about that, block out that hard stuff. <laughs> think, Kayleen hates it when I make her do arm work in a class. Yes. But think about how well this ties into Joseph Pilates wanting his athletes and his the people who came to a studio practice independently. Think about how well this ties into it with that member's comment. She could she could tell which exercise she needed to make a decision for herself. It empowered her to be able to know how to make the adjustment for her body. That is incredibly powerful. And in my opinion, aligns perfectly with what Joseph Pilates was intending for people who visited his studio anyway. So we've just been able to attach this technology that makes that really accessible for everybody at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing we have on our after-class report cards, we have a couple interesting summaries. So below that graph, we show you on the left-hand side, we show you the average of your control consistency and speed for the whole class. So where did you fall across all the exercises? And then we also show you the total weight moved, how many reps you did, and what your mood change was before and after class. So I think those are all, you know, they're maybe not as exercise specific as the graphs, but they're all a part of this wider movement of, hey, how did you feel? Can you correlate how you felt that session went with these specific pieces of information that we're measuring? Um, and, And that connection between mind and body. Yeah. One of the, one of my favorite, it seems really simple, but I feel like it has a really big impact is this mood metric at the end. And one of the reasons why I really value this metric is because I always feel so good after I do Pilates and I kind of forget time to time how I felt going into it and the investment and energy that I take. We talked about fitness and movement, the investment that I give when I do let's say traditional fitness in the terms of like weightlifting, right? It's like transferring money from my checking to my savings, right? Like I'm not going to, I've already spent it. It's not going to get used, but maybe I'll use it when I need it, right? But with Pilates, it's almost like I just have to show up and money appears in my checking account that I get to spend. So I, I get this investment and I always have energy walking away from my Pilates experience. So different right? You know, so that, that's how I, that's how I correlate that mood metric and how I feel kind of after both exercises. I have a question for you. Oh no. (laughs) Have you ever seen your mood decrease? Never. From the start to the end of class? Never. I've never seen it. Even if it was challenging, I, we talked about this in another episode. I think we talked about how like one movement session sparks movement 
right? It's like a chain reaction. So even if you're not going to take another class after that, you continue to move throughout the day. So I've never experienced my mood decrease after taking a Pilates class. I think most people, yeah, I think most people could say that. Even just if you didn't have that mood metric, just going to Pilates in general makes you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that I think about that across fitness, you know, do I, or, or sports, is my mood always better after? (laughs) And it's not true. It is so not true. Um, Yeah. I'm you know, gonna blast David. I'm gonna blast David right now. Our our CT, our CTO. He just literally talked to me today about how he had a soccer game this weekend, and he came away from it just super, just super frustrated because of the sportsmanship and you know how people behave during the game, and it seriously correlates with this topic almost perfectly. You know, it's like you don't always walk away from your fitness feeling better. Than when you started. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's definitely the case for me. If I, if in a spin class, so like I hate spinning with a passion and <laughs> I have it behind me. If people can see it, I, I was on it for like two weeks and then I was like, <laughs> it makes my back hurt. It makes my neck hurt. It makes my shoulders hurt. I feel like when I stand up, I can't stand up straight when I'm done. I might feel like I got a quote unquote good workout because I'm either sore or tired, but my body doesn't feel ready necessarily for the rest of the day. And I feel like the sometimes the only satisfaction I get is that I did it and not that my body has now been prepared for what I want it to be able to do that day or that I feel like I got healthy movement in. It's like, okay, I did something that was probably good for my heart and mm-hmm. you know, my muscles are sore maybe, but the, the, the endorphins, there's something, there's gotta be someone at somewhere and someone or some, some group out there that's studying the, the endorphin, right? You get endorphins when you work out, like this is great, right? Mood lifter, feel good, etc. But there's a difference between how your body feels and how your brain feels. And I think this is one of those things that I love so much about Pilates is that when your body feels strong and ready for the day, it is no longer an obstacle to get other stuff done. Oh God. Yeah. It is no longer a, Oh, (laughs) right. I'm not standing (laughs) at the sink doing dishes going, Oh man, I'm feeling so old right? Like that doesn't happen anymore. Right. And, and that enables me to keep making healthier decisions throughout the day because I have the brain power and the body feeling to tackle the next thing. But if my body is beat to heck, I don't want to do anything that's hard because it already feels like I did something hard. Right. Yeah. And, and everybody's going to choose to feel differently about their workouts and what they want to feel, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I truly believe like that if I want to turn my day around or if I just want to set out on a good day to have a good day, that Pilates is often central to that in a, in a higher probability of a positive outcome than almost any other kind of movement that I could do. If I'm super unmotivated to move, if I get on my reformer and just do footwork, 
it is a chain reaction because I'll go, okay, okay, I'll do some ab work. Oh, okay, I'll do some arm work. Okay, I'm ready for the day, which translates in for the rest of my day. I personally, uh, from years of soccer and playing on awful competitive fields that they did not take care of. We played on polo fields, okay? I have had more sprained knees and ankles than I care to relive. I I love to run, but I cannot run unless I'm doing Pilates regularly. It just will not happen for me. I will be in so much pain. And I was a run coach for a really long time back in the day, and I always recommended pairing Pilates with my run programs. Always. It was like, you you have to, because that is the only way we're going to preserve the body to move in the most efficient way possible while we're doing these running drills. So there's a lot less compensation we have to make during those repetitive type movements. I I can't go, I can't go out and run for 30 minutes and feel like I want to, you know, take on the day, which some people do. That's fine. But for me personally, it, it's like, oh, I feel exhausted after that 30 minutes. Right. And so with Pilates, it's that if I just show up, it's instant money in the bank for me. And instant mood money. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And look, when you've got three kids and all, I mean, <laughs> trust me, that mood uh, plays a big role in how you interact in your daily, even when you show up for work and in. If people, we don't, thank God, have that issue here, but some people work in places that are not the most wonderful place to work. And so having a movement practice that increases your mood, you know, it helps. It makes a difference in just your day-to-day interactions and activities. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of those awesome things that we want to measure and and then fold back into NTL's practice so that we can use it to better recommend classes to better show the efficacy of what we're all about here. So, I, you know, we talked a lot about mood. We talked a lot about metrics, we talked a lot about Pilates. Is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with today about the after-class report? It is one of the most, in my opinion, transformative ways that we can look at Pilates because of how much power it puts back in your hands when it comes to your movement. And if you haven't tried it yet, I highly recommend it because there's nothing out there that compares to it. We're, we're the only ones doing it right now. And it's such a, an amazing experience. So yeah, I hope you come along with us. I hope you give it a try. What about you? What would you like to leave the end of the year with? <sighs> We're excited without Pilates. I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. In terms of trying, I do want to leave people with a couple ways they can try. So we do have a 30 day money back guarantee here at Flexia. So you can order the reformer and try it and try our uh, platform. If you don't like it, we'll take it back. No problem. And you can also try just our online studio. We have a free trial Um, of our uh, digital basic, which doesn't have feedback because you need the sensors on the reformer to do that, but it does have all of our classes. So you can um, tootle around and join the community and and see what we're all about before, before you buy. We'd love to meet you. All of us here are, I think we say this every week. We talk to our members in the community. We hear what people say after class. We're in the inbox. Like, 
Yeah. We know y'all. So um, we'd love to have a conversation and, and move with you. Awesome. I'm so excited for what 2024 is going to bring. It's going to be an exciting year. Yes. So I think we'll leave this episode and this season right here. Thanks for joining us all. Thanks for joining us. Have a great new year. See you on The Reformer. If you're ready to embark on your Pilates journey, go to FlexiaPilates.com to learn more about Flexia's award-winning online studio, innovative technology, and professional-grade smart Pilates reformer. With over 150 classes and new ones added every week, it's easy to find the workout that fits your life. Paired with our innovative technology that gives you real-time feedback and tracks your progress, your Pilates experience will be totally transformed. Once again, that's FlexiaPilates.com to learn more. Happy reforming!